maybe we'll read a few verses in John chapter number 17. John 17. So by everything we see in the lead up to this, uh, John 13 to the end of this chapter, he and his disciples are in the upper room. They're taking part in the Last Supper. He's teaching and instructing them. And from the upper room, we see him, he leaves, and to the Garden of Gethsemane he goes. And there he's betrayed and taken. So really, this is the last moments that he's going to spend with his disciples on this earth. He's, he's going to be leaving them. And maybe maybe being separated from that, we don't, we don't feel the weight of it like they did. They said, be it far from you, Lord. You're not going to be taken. Peter said, we'll fight for you. And Peter did draw a sword to fight for him. They didn't want him to leave. He had been their guide, their teacher, their instructor, their provider, their protector for these three and a half years. And they believed that this was the Son of God. And now He's going to depart from them. And so they're, they're in a place of great heaviness. And so the Lord has taught and instructed, in some ways warned them of what they were going to face. And in John 17, He's praying here right before they leave the upper room. So let's read maybe just a, a small portion of this. We'll start in verse number 10. Let's back up to number 9. I'm sorry. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. We'll stop right there. We've read a whole lot more than we can ever do justice to. But what is the Lord, uh, you know, certainly He's praying here. This is His prayer unto God with His disciples in the upper room. But God saw fit that John, who was a man, and I think sometimes we think over this as well, this was written by a man that was in the upper room 
and that heard the Lord Jesus pray this prayer. This is not some revelation out of the sky in the mind, a dream that he had that this happened. John and, and these apostles, these disciples, they saw the Lord Jesus with their own eyes and heard him with their own ears. And so he heard this prayer and God saw fit to impress him to write this down for us, that we could be instructed by this. So he's praying not for the world. I'm not praying for the world, but for these that you've given me. And, and you know, you think about who that the church is, the called out, those that God's delivered from the world. Jesus said on down in this prayer, I sanctify myself that they might be sanctified, to make holy, to be set apart. And certainly the Lord didn't need to be made more holy than He already was. He was the Lamb of God that came from heaven to die. But He was set apart to die. He was going to the cross to die that you and I might be sanctified. The holy was set apart for sacrifice that the unholy could be made pure and that we could be brought in. And notice where we're brought to. He's praying not that we would be scattered in a separated people, but that we all might be one. Both the apostles and certainly it was needful that as they began to preach that they be one in one mind and one accord. Because now if, if Peter's going to go out and preach and John's going to come preaching behind him, and they're not of one mind and of one accord, and their preaching and their doctrine is different, it's going to cause great turmoil amongst the sheep. And so among the church, he's praying that the people of God might be one even as we are. So who's the we? He and the Father. We know that they are one. The Spirit is also one with them, all co-equal, all co-powerful, all God. And so as they are one, as the Lord Jesus' will is the same as the Father's will, as His mind and His desire is the same as the Father's mind and desire, as He is submitted to the Father and the Father submitted to Him, He desires for His church to have that same unity, that we might be brought together. And you know how, think about how impossible that this is in the flesh. There is no way that a number even this size, you could cut this in half, that we could come together in complete unity in our flesh because I like things that you don't. You like things that I don't. You were brought up different than I was and I was brought up different than you and we're, we're different in so many ways. But you know, in the church and in the spiritual realm, we've got the same Father. Those that have been saved and born again, they've been brought out of the world. They've been brought out of the flesh in their natural state and God has birthed them into the kingdom of God. We've been brought into His family. He's regenerated us by the Spirit and now we've got a new mind. We've got a new heart. There's a new desire that's present inside of them that God has done a work on. And you know, that's the same in every single one of us. 
that work, that inward man that's been regenerated that John says cannot sin because he is a son of God. He's from God. That inward man is identical in me as you. That's right. Amen. But you know where we're fighting with? He's praying here for us, not for our salvation. We're God's. And we that are God's are Christ's. And He teaches us in an earlier place in chapter 10 that those that are in my hand, no man can pluck him out. And my Father is greater than even me, and no man can pluck him out of His hand either. So the church now, them that are sanctified in Jesus, they cannot lose that salvation. He's not praying for me that I would lose the salvation that He gave me. But he's, He recognizes this. I'm going out of the world and these men are going to still be here. I'm going out of the world and the church is still going to be here. Now we're strangers and pilgrims. We're not of this world any longer. That word stranger, it means a resident foreigner. Could you imagine going to another place and building a house in another country that spoke a language that you didn't speak, that spent money that you didn't spend, they had customs that you knew nothing about, it'd be a hard place to be, wouldn't it? And that's where the church really is. The born again, the people of God, we're of a world that those that we dwell around know nothing of. You begin to talk of the working of the Spirit, and I realize there's madness today in the thought of the Spirit and spiritual realm and all manner of foolishness by the wisdom of man that you hear. But you begin to talk about the Word of God and the Spirit of God working. And the God's truth is you're speaking a different language than people can understand. They don't know the things of God. They don't know even even as we would come on Mother's Day morning to the house of God... Why would you waste your Mother's Day down at the house of God? You see, they're from another nation, another country. They're still of the seed of Adam and they do not know the work that God has done in them that He saved. They can't understand that just as much as you can speak to them. And if you've ever tried to do this, when asked of a question and you try to explain what God done for you, when He saved you. There's no way that you can relate that with words to somebody that does not know what you're talking about. They cannot grasp a hold of feeling the weight of sin and conviction because they've never felt that. They can't relate to having your mind changed because their mind has never been changed. We speak a different language. We've got a different mindset and a different thought. And in, in every way, chiefly, we dwell in the enemy's world. That's right. This world has fallen. It's kept in store for one reason. That's right. Judgment, fire, and destruction. Right. This is the enemy's world. And the other nation that we dwell in, they're the enemy's people. And though in the flesh, and we have the many that are dear to our hearts, that we love, that would be our kin after the flesh, but in the truth and spiritual things, they're our enemies. They would desire to draw us away from God. 
They had desire that we wouldn't be as dedicated to God. But you know, even more than that, the real enemy now is the principality and power in high places, the prince of the power of the air, the devil. And you know who he's working in? Those that are his. Those children that belong to him and in the world system. And he's working to take the church. I believe he's praying here. He says that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. So the devil's working to rob, to steal, to kill, and to destroy all that he can take. Salvation he can't touch. We're secure in Jesus Christ. But would you not agree that he's still trying to steal, kill, and destroy and take from us what joy that God would desire for us to have? He would desire to rob us of of the peace and of the assurance of salvation. He would desire to rob us of of the blessings that God's given us. We, We didn't build this house and we've not constructed this, but God has gifted us this and brought us into this family and the devil would desire that we would mope around in this world and be disappointed and be dejected and even to look at God with contempt for the shape that we're in. That's where the devil would like for man to be. But he's a liar from the beginning. We ought not be surprised of that. But God's provided a means of grace for us. And right here we see a couple of them. Here's the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. And what is the Lord Jesus doing? He is on His face, I picture in my head, And he's praying to God that the church would be strengthened after that he's gone. He's praying that God the Father would give them this grace. And if you look back in 16 and in chapter 14, it's all one discourse, remember, in the upper room there. He's speaking about the Comforter that's to come. That third part of the Godhead that's not going to dwell in a tent next door to me, but the Spirit of God that comes to dwell inside of the believers. The assurance and the grace of God. And He's praying here that God would keep us by His power. While I was here, I've kept them. I've guarded them. I've kept evil from them. You know, you think about Mama Chicken and she's got her chicks under her wings. You know what she's doing? She's shielding them. The Lord Jesus shielded them. They weren't hated at this time. It was the Lord that was hated. They weren't sought to be killed. They weren't seeking to kill the disciples here. They wanted to kill the Master. He was the one that bore the heat. He was the one that bore the hatred. He was the one that bore the affliction. But He says, I'm going out of this world and I'm going to leave my little chicks here. Father, would You give them grace and strength that they could face this enemy and overcome him. So certainly... The Father hears Him when He prays. And you know, you could say, well, the Lord Jesus prayed, so I really don't need to. But boy, that's a silly way to think, ain't it? I mean, now this is the way I think. That if the Lord Jesus, the man that was God incarnate and walking among us, 
If the Lord Jesus thought it was necessary to fall on His face and pray, God, I'm not praying for the world, but for those that are Your children, give them grace and power that they all might be one in this world, that after I leave and they're left here, that they might be able to go into the world and face the enemy, the devil, that their heart wouldn't be drawn away and that their joy might be full in me. God, I pray that You'd give them strength to do that. So if the Lord saw a need to fall on His face and pray, would You not say that there's a lesson there for me? He says, He says in verse 13, These things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. What the Lord did was done with purpose and reason. God gifted us a means that we might be able to commune with Him. In this picture here, We're in a world as strangers and pilgrims and we're going to be disconnected from the Lord. He's no longer here in the flesh. God's not here as a man in the flesh that we can go to and hide behind Him. So in a way, we're separated from Him because He's going to be departed. But God's provided these means that we might be connected to Him. Though He's not a man sitting beside me, though the Lord Jesus has went to the cross and ascended back to glory, still yet He's left means for me to be able to get in touch with and communicate with God the Father in heaven above. And so the Spirit of God is one of those means. He is our tie to heaven. The church's connection unto God comes through the Spirit. And it's through the Spirit that God can communicate with me. That God can strengthen me. That God can lead me into the truth. That God can convince me of things. And that as decisions would come, He can come to me and say, this is the Father's will. He is my connection to the Father. But you know how He works? Bless Him, Lord. He works through the Word of God. Many be the time. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Now the truth, a lot of times it'd be easier. And I say especially for these 11 men that are here, it'd be easier for them to just go on with Him and not face what they're about to face and endure what they're about to endure. And we get there a lot of times as well. But he says, I'm not praying that you would take them because now as a whole, and it astounds me that people believe silliness. But they do. As if God came at this moment and took His church out, where would the pillar and ground of the truth be? I mean, we are the pillar and ground of the truth. We're the strangers in a foreign country. We're the ones that know God. We're the ones that are acquainted with Him. We're the ones that know the Word. If the church is gone, there is no means. So Jesus says, I'm leaving here, and just like you, Father, sent me into the world, I'm going to send them. And you know what we're in the world for? My God, we're not here purposeless. 
We're here for a reason. That as the Lord Jesus was the image of the Father, and as the Lord reflected the glory of God unto people that were blind and lost and undone, so are we. We are His witnesses in this world. We're the evidence of the salvation that the Son of God died to purchase for us. And the Lord says here, I'm glorified in them. It's in them, it's in these sinners that I've regenerated, that I've put the Spirit of God within. It's in them that I'm glorified because when they go and they stand before the Sanhedrin, they say these men don't know anything, but they've been with Jesus. And the Lord's name is exalted and He's getting glory out of them. So we're left here to glorify Him. If we're the redeemed, then do the redeemed not glorify the Redeemer? He's the one that bought us. He's the one that redeemed us. That word means ransom. He paid our ransom and set us free from the bondage of sin and that's to His glory. So we're left here to glorify the Lord. I've not said anything you didn't know already. You knew this. But we've got an enemy that's so subtle He takes from us the basic things. I pray not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil. There is a work of God in that. God is keeping, the Bible says in Peter, that we are kept by the power of God. Without a Redeemer and without grace, there'd be no way for me to be kept. If left to my own self in just a short time, and I'm not going to, I'm not even going to say an hour, but in just a short time, I would make a decision that would fall me out of the way. And before long, it wouldn't take long. You could come and see where I'm at, and I'm going to be way out in left field somewhere, off course from where I want to be. So there is grace that prevents me. But as well, God's provided this as well. This is a means of grace. You know where this came from? Bless him, Lord. Where where did the word of God come from? He says in Timothy, for the word is it given by inspiration of God. That really that's a bad translation. And if you look that up, what it means there is the word is God breathed. It's that that God spoke and that that God said. And yes, it was written down by men's hand. It was. God breathed it to man and man wrote it down. But you know what it is? It came from God. Without God, there would be no word of God. This is a means of grace that God's provided not to the world. Friends, the world can read this and not get anything out of it. As a matter of fact, the world reads this and says, it's teaching me that I need to be better. Is that not what man thinks the Bible says and teaches? But then that are saved, we know the opposite's true. The Bible doesn't say be better. The Bible says you can't be better. You can't live right. You can't do this. But the Lord Jesus has accomplished this for you. 
So see, in the world, there's no understanding of this. But God's given us that grace, that Spirit of God, that would help to enlighten and illuminate us to what the Word says. And in this Word, what's in here? I mean, people say flippantly, well, there's every answer you need in the Word of God. There's great wisdom in the Word of God. I believe every page of the Word of God is truth. All of that's wonderful. But what good is that if I don't know it? This is written down. This isn't passed down by bedtime stories. God saw fit that man would write this down and He saw fit that we could have it in our language, in our day. And we've all got one. I don't know how many you've got. I bet I've got 30, 35, 40 maybe at the house. We've got it with us, present with us. It's the mind of God. It's the revelation of God. And Jesus says, sanctify them through thy truth. So as Chris read this morning, and as David talked about, uh, by the renewing of your mind, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's not talking about me being saved again, but I tell you what we've got. Here's a, a people that's been redeemed. They're living in a strange country and in the enemy's world, and they face this enemy day by day, but God's given me a means to establish and renovate. That's what that word means, to renew. Renovate my mind. If you buy a house and you're going to renovate, what are you going to do? You're not rebuilding. See, this, this mind ain't going to be rebuilt till I leave this world. I'm stuck with my flesh and with my carnal mind and we're living in enemy territory and in the enemy's world. And we can't change that while we're here. But I tell you what we can do. We can be renovated. And you take out all of the old stuff and the stuff that's of no value and the stuff that's broken and the stuff that's out of date and you bring in new things. So how do I renew my mind and my thinking? How can my thinking be renovated? By learning and knowing the Word of God. Sanctify them. That word means purify, to make holy, to set apart, that the church would be sanctified through the truth of the Word of God. If you want to grow... That shouldn't even be said that way, honest. That was a mistake. I believe in the heart of everyone that God saved. In the inward man, there's a desire. I'd like to be more. And I'd like to do more. And I'd like to be better for my Lord. Now in the flesh, the opposite's the case. In the flesh, well, you've prayed too much. In the flesh, well, there's no sense in doing all that extra stuff. In, in the flesh, there's no sense in being any better. You're as good as you can be. But that's not true in the inward man of them that are saved. The grace of God is there to encourage and to strengthen us and give us a desire to grow. So how do we grow? How's my behavior going to change? Well, see, behavior and the way I live and talk and act in this world, it comes from how I think. Would you not agree with that? How I react is a product of what I think. 
And if I think that that shouldn't be done, if I think low of people that do that, then when I see that, I'm going to react in that manner. So really, it's not that I ought to put handcuffs on my hands to keep them from acting the way they shouldn't, but really it's my thinking that needs to be changed. It's the way I think and the way I believe and the way I react, that needs to be renovated. And I promise this, when I get my thinking right, my behavior will be right. So how can we be sanctified? Through the Word of God. God would desire, and may God help us to have a desire. You want to be more for the Lord? You want to be more for Him? You want to be able to glorify Him better? You want to have a life that better reflects His glory? We ought to find ourselves in the Word of God. And the devil says, I told you, he was subtle, taking away the very basics. What about a world today that the devil says, you really don't need to put any extra effort in prayer. And you really don't need to open your Bible either other than at church. And there it sits so often now. The God-breathed Word of God there for my instruction and my strength and my sanctification. I leave it in the car a lot of times. Or it sits on the end table beside the couch and it's never touched until it's time to go back to church. Well, I promise, if I don't know it, it's not helping me. So you know what I'm exhorted to do? Study. To show yourself approved. And the devil says, well, that's good for the preacher. The preacher ought to know what the Bible says. And I say, amen. God help. If the preacher don't know the Bible, then what's the preacher preaching? I agree completely. But what about you? Shouldn't you be sanctified as well? Does your mind not need to be renewed as well? Wouldn't it be good if we could grow just a, just a little bit more like the Savior today than we have been in the, rest, in the past of our life? Wouldn't it be better if some of that trash, it's in our behavior that ought not be there, if that could be renovated and we could be made more like the Lord Jesus? I say amen. It'd be wonderful. How am I going to get there? By understanding the Word of God. God's provided now teachers and preachers and evangelists and apostles and prophets. Now think about that list. We have a pastor. We have evangelists. We have teachers. Have you seen an apostle or a prophet lately? But we have, the church has them. That's right. You know where they're at? They're right here in the book. The prophets are in the book. We've heard from the prophets this morning. The apostles are in the book. We've heard from the apostles this morning. And God's blessed us with our own copy. God's put it in our own native language. God's given us the spirit to understand it. Should I not make time for the word of God through the week? Should I not have a time set aside that I would, as the Lord Jesus did, fall on my face and say, Oh, Heavenly Father, I desire to be sanctified. I desire to be prepared to face this enemy that I face day by day. I desire to be the best that I can be for you today. Would you open the Scripture? Would you grow my understanding? Would you renovate my mind and sanctify me for your glory?
Should that not be our prayer day by day? I tell you, the devil, the devil's robbed the church of the basics. <coughs> because the truth is we don't need to pray anymore. We don't have need. We don't need to read the Bible. The preacher will read it for us when we get to church. But you know, this young man sitting back here, what if he eat on Sunday morning and eat on Sunday night and eat on Wednesday night and he didn't eat any other time? Is he going to grow any? Will his little life be benefited? You, you know what that's really going to be? That's going to be a detriment to him. That's going to cause malnourishment and underdevelopment. And he's not going to have what he needs to grow and live a life in this world like he has the potential to live. Ain't that the truth? So what about the church? Is there any spiritual understanding that we can gain from that? You know, God made man that way. God made man. And in the wilderness, He said, I'm going to send you manna from heaven. I'm going to send it every day but the Sabbath. And you're going to go out every morning and gather that. Any, any witness that I ought to get from that? Why, preacher, we really, we really don't need to read unless we're going to teach. God help our soul. The devil is starving our soul and our mind to death. And I tell you what's going to happen. He's going to get us malnourished. He's going to get us in a bad way. And he's going to come by and cause us to fall. He will. will. He'll catch us weak. So often we're weak in our temptation because we've not eaten any bread from the Word of God. The Lord Jesus... The Lord didn't give me a prayer to repeat. But He taught me how to pray. And in the Lord's teaching of how to pray, He said, give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need, Lord, that we might live this day. I believe that's very fitting for the natural man. I believe it is. It's fitting for me to pray and to return thanks for what God gave to feed this natural man. But ain't they a more important part than the natural man? Is there not a part that also needs nourishment and strength? God help how that we need in the inward man our mind to be renewed. He says, I've given you these gifts in Ephesians chapter 4 that you wouldn't be children anymore. That every wave that come wouldn't knock you down. You remember when you were a little young and, and you'd go out in the ocean if you ever went to the beach and how if you got out to your knees there'd be one come that'd take you down. Yeah. Didn't take much then, did it? But when you grow a little, boy, when you grow, you, you can go out up to here. And a lot of times you can stand. What's happened? The waves have not changed. But boy, we've grown beyond the little waves 
that used to knock us down. God would like for His children to grow beyond being little children. That any little wind of doctrine would cause us to fall and cause us to slip and even cause us to doubt in our mind. But boy, I tell you, when when the devil came to the Lord Jesus, he didn't say, I'm the Lord, get away from me. He said, listen, devil, it's written. Devil, it's written. Devil, it's written. Three times he recalled the Word of God. And you know, man, man twists that to death, even for the preacher, and says, well, you don't need to study. Just get up there and God will give it to you. Get up there and God will fill your mouth. Well, preacher, we don't need to study, but when the time comes, God will recall. What does the word recall mean? If I'm going to recall do you remember when this happened? Well, let, 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 I, I don't really recall that. I can't bring that back to my mind. How am I going to remember a Scripture that I've never read? Is there any way that Scripture that I don't know can be recalled to my mind? I'll tell you what the Lord did. The Lord knew the Scriptures. The Lord knew what the Word of God said. And when the devil come, he had an answer, not of himself or not of his opinion. I tell you, we've got enough today of, well, this is what I think. And this is how I feel. And you know, what you think might be exactly right. It might be dead on the money. But when you say, I think, I don't give a nickel what you think. No world don't either. But it's a little different when you can say, well, this is what the Bible says. Amen. Thank God. This is what the world... How are you going to be able to say that? You're going to have to know it. Amen. Don't let the devil rob you of prayer and rob you of the Word of God. Don't let him think that we're big enough today to do without it. Don't don't let him to allow you to think that we're strong enough today to face what the devil's going to bring. My God, the, the boldness that it takes to say that. But the devil subtly has man thinking that today. And it's evidenced. We've already heard today, they say that they're saved. But the evidence. Well, I tell you how... How greatly do we see a need for God? It's evidenced. We can can look at the evidence and determine how great our need is for God. How often do we, as the Lord Jesus did in John 17, pray for His grace on our life and on the church? Well, there's no need to. We're, We're saved. Well, the Lord Jesus says we're saved. And He says that we're His. And He says that we belong to Him. But He says, I pray for them, and not for these alone, but for all of those that's coming after them. For the whole church, that they would be one and be strengthened by the power of God. So we can see the evidence, how often we pray, how much time we spend seeking God in His Word. For, for me now, sillily, foolishly sometimes, I say, God, I want you to show me what I need today. 
and I want to read that page, say, okay, that's what I need to know. It don't always come that easy, does it? You know, they, they, spend, they spend a time or two that I've been called to preach. And the first minute that I sat down and opened, God impressed me with something right there. But you know, there's other times that it's a work, ain't it? There's times you've, you've got to spend some time and you've got to pray and you've got to dig. God help us to do that day by day. That when we come together, our minds wouldn't be entangled in the world. See, we gather here. This is people of another country. We come out of the world to come into this place. To leave the world outside that we might honor the God that redeemed us. That we might have a word from God. That we might be strengthened. That we might go back out into the world. That we might glorify Him amongst the people of unclean lips. But we, we must take advantage of what God has provided us through His Son Jesus. Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is truth. As Thou hast sent me to the world, even so I have sent them unto the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they might be sanctified through the truth. This is even made possible only through Jesus Christ. Without Him, without Jesus, this word's of no value to me, but to beat me down and cast me into hell. Because outside of Jesus, all we've got's law. And in the law, all I've got's condemnation. And in condemnation, all I've got's wrath and judgment and an eternal hell. But you know, in Jesus, in Jesus, even, even the law can be a good thing. Even the condemnation of the law is good because it brings me to the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. And so it's through Him that we can be sanctified. It's through Him that there is a gospel. It's through Him that we can pray should we not take advantage of what He bought for us. This come from Him. So listen, just, just one more verse. Neither pray I for these alone. So now the argument that this was a special prayer prayed specially for those 11 men in that upper room that day that they could be apostles as they ought to be apostles. And if that's going to be the way you think about this Scripture and it's got no application to anybody else, I don't know what you're going to do about this verse, but also, I don't know what you're going to do about Paul the Apostle. He's coming as one, as Paul says, born out of due season. If the Lord only prayed for these eleven, did He not pray for Paul as well? You better believe it. And I tell you who He prayed for. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe. He saw the church in its fullness and He prayed that the church might be strengthened and helped. And how are we going to believe? Through their Word. He's going to save through the proclamation of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ through the gospel. How does He save today? It's the same way, isn't it? God saves through the knowledge and the proclamation of His Word of the Lord Jesus Christ.
Now, if the church don't know the truth, how's people going to come to the knowledge of the truth? If the church don't know what the Bible says, then who is the lost man going to go to and ask, well, what, what's God's will here? What, what's God saying here? That Ethiopian eunuch, he's riding back from Jerusalem. He's got a portion of the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Maybe he's got that whole chapter there. But he's there reading, and here comes a man, Philip, and he says, who's he speaking of here? And Philip said, I don't know. I've never read that before. <clears throat> Give me a day or two to think on it. That ain't going to work, is it? No. You know, Philip, Philip knew who he was talking about. Philip knew who that scripture was talking about. And Philip was able to give an answer at that moment and at that time. Amen. We can do that as well. Yes, By the study of the Word of God. Through His grace and through His knowledge.